What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where who knew that the 100% all-white boneless chicken nugget was actually referring to Nikola Jokic when forced to match up against the brute force and strength of Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis. So, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, finger-licking good, have it your way, and have his way he did with that boneless nugget did Anthony Davis last night as the Lakers have gone up 1-0 on the Denver Nuggets by absolutely demolishing them 126-114 in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and tonight I have a special guest with me, McDonald's mogul and 30-plus-year Lakers season ticket holder and one-time Lakers playoff virtual seat fan, (laughs) my best friend, Andy Chang. Andy, welcome back to the show. Did I say the McDonald's slogan correctly there? I mean, you, you added a bunch of different competitors along with it. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> Does it fit for Anthony Davis and the Lakers, though? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's all that matters. Well, Andy, welcome back to the show. I think the last time you were on the show was actually last year around the same time doing a season preview for this season, which has somehow is still ongoing (laughs) because of 2020, because of the pandemic. How does it feel being in September when, you know, usually the season should be starting? But no, we're in the the playoff run. We're in the thick of things. We're so close you can almost taste it. And we're seven games out, seven more wins to a championship. How does it feel? It is surreal. I mean, that three, how long was it? Four months, five months, 
break. It was almost like a regular summer break. The difference is now we got all the other sports going on at the same time, and it's True. hard to manage time when you have two boys running around and sure. trying to watch all the LA teams destroy it. So uh, it's been good, though. You're not talking about the Clippers, though, right? That's one LA team that's not just... Dis- <laughs> they're destroying each other from the inside out. Um, so I don't know if you remember, but... You know, Andy has been a season ticket holder. His family has been a Lakers season ticket holder for the last how many years? 40? Yeah. (laughs) If it's including your dad? If it's including him. But yeah, we've been to probably at least like 40, 50 games (laughs) over the last 20 years together, uh, Andy inviting me. Um, But the last time the Lakers were in the Western Conference Finals against the Nuggets, I don't know if you remember, but we were actually there. Game five pivotal swing game game five and the Lakers that game was actually pretty close like all the way up to the third quarter and it took like a Shannon Brown like dunk on the fast break to really get us going and get momentum on our side and then I think that was the game where Lamar Odom dunked over Birdman as well and Luke Walton headbutted him in the shoulder um but yeah I I totally forgot that we were at game five of the Western Conference Finals in 2009 against the Denver Nuggets. Did you remember that at all? (laughs) I didn't remember until you showed me the picture. (laughs) And I was thinking, oh, wow, that was, that must have been a decade ago. But yeah, just hearing you say all those names, Shannon Brown, Birdman, that is, that is crazy. Yeah, J.R. Smith was on the Nuggets uh, Mm. that year, but uh, yeah. So that that that's insane to think about. Nene Hilario, Carmelo Anthony. Um, yeah, yeah, that that series ended up going six games. Lakers won four two. Um, but now we're here in 2020 against the Nuggets again, and against a totally different Nuggets team with a totally different Lakers team plus J.R. Smith. Um, <laughs> yeah. So game one, we won in very dominant fashion. First question is. Does this feel like the Western Conference Finals to you? Obviously, it's a very weird circumstance. There's no fans. It's been the bubble. There's all these different other sports going on. We should be in training camp mode. It is September. California is on fire. We just had an earthquake. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Does it feel like the Western Conference Finals to you? Have you been able to conjure up that feeling of like, this feels like old times or it's just entirely new and you're just taking it for what it is? Yeah, to me, it feels like it's the Western Conference Finals, but I think you know, we've kind of been prepping for it for so long, 10 years plus, you know, and, and yeah. we're just finally at that moment and it's all kind of coming to fruition. Even though there's no fans, I feel like the upsets have really gotten, you know, most of the storyline to push the NBA to where it is right now. But um, it's definitely exciting. And just to see the final four teams um i i mean i i'd like to hear your opinion later but mm-hmm. looking at the eastern conference matchups the potential matchups i think those could be very interesting <laughs> yeah on a legacy level too yes yeah there's so many narratives you can go with. I, there's with. so many narratives the, so the one thing I'm, and we're going to talk about this as we get into it but the denver nuggets obviously i don't know if you felt this way and we're definitely going to get into the game but Look, we we have to give them all the credit and respect they deserve for like overthrowing the Clippers and coming back down from 1-3 in each of the last two series. But personally for you, were you worried about this team? 
So when it got down to game seven between the Clippers and the Nuggets, I was thinking I, for, for our benefit, I feel like the Nuggets would be a better matchup just because if we saw the Clippers after they won a game seven, I feel like we come in a little less prepared in terms of we're probably thinking, oh, it took them seven games while we, we just, took care of the Rockets in five. So I think maybe would have, uh, or would have caught us off guard. Whereas the Nuggets, they've proved twice already they can come back from 3-1. So I feel like we were a little more mentally prepared um, mm-hmm. over, you know, what the, the Clippers gone through. So. I actually, so I actually think that even if we had faced the Clippers, that we would have been mentally prepared because the Clippers, I feel like, have been the one team that's been on the Lakers' mind since all the way back last year to training camp and everybody talking about how the Clippers are the new kings of L.A. So I think regardless of whether or not the Clippers had made it out or, you know, maybe even finished the the series in five and got an extra time or whatever time off, I feel like the Lakers would have been prepared. Um I just feel like with the Nuggets, just looking at the opponents that the Lakers have faced prior to this series, those teams have have legitimate veterans on their team, coaches that have been through the thick thick of things with Mike D'Antoni. I don't know about Terry Stotts necessarily, but they had Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Carmelo Anthony. Obviously with the Rockets, the name of James Harden just strikes fear into your heart. Russell Westbrook, uh, Mike D'Antoni, those are established guys. With the Nuggets, I just don't have, there's not not that history there at all. Like, we faced them before, obviously, but it's like their two superstars are guys who have never even made it to the Western Conference Finals. Um, And they're super young. The the one veteran that they do have is Paul Millsap, and he's, he's barely kicking at this point. So for me, it just felt like, Coming into it, I was like, this feels like the easiest matchup we've had so far, you know? And the one thing that may, like you said, the one thing that may hinder us is the mental component of things and maybe not being as engaged. Um, so, But outside of that, given the fact that the Lakers have gone through, you know, losing game one each of the last two series, I was like, I think they'll be prepared regardless of who the opponent is. They'll probably just want to get that monkey off their back. Um to win game one. So, so I wasn't worried about the Nuggets at all. You know, give them all the credit they deserve, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I kind of, this game one was as I expected personally. Was it for you or was it just like, oh, the Lakers, they're very engaged and they've been ready for this. I guess that's what happens when you get to the Western Conference Finals and you're this close that you kind of just don't let the rope slip. I think it was pretty clear that we were going to come out to take care of business early and just, you know, for the Nuggets, you mentioned it via text. They just seemed really tired, you know, playing two series of seven games. It takes a toll and it's back to back to back every single day. Uh, whereas for us, we get these week long breaks in between series and, you know, because we've dropped the first game of the first two series, I feel like they wanted to make a statement mm-hmm. and come out and, you know, take care of business basically. But, um, yeah, with, with the nuggets, I feel like the only way we lose a series is we beat ourselves basically yep. like the Clippers did, <laughs> you know, just not, <laughs> just not really respecting them and, and yeah. just being complacent and losing our, our, uh, focus. Yeah, for sure. And I think, 
So I don't know if you listened to any like na- national media pundits before this game one previewing this series, but I felt it was a little over the top the way that I think because of what happened with the Clippers to the Clippers against the Nuggets, people started to overcompensate what the Nuggets really were. Mm-hmm. And kind of were like, oh, yeah, they're made for the Western Conference Finals. And they started to overly analyze like, oh, and this is what the Lakers are going to have to do against the Nuggets. The Jokic-Murray pick and roll is lethal. And Jokic just throws guys open. They're cutting everywhere. Jokic is throwing it behind his back. <laughs> and they're, they're hitting layups. And what the hell are the Lakers going to do, you know? And they have like this tough metal, this resilient spirit about them. And all this time, I'm just like, is it this complicated? I don't think this series is this complicated. I get we have to fill time here to talk about a series. Um, But I felt like, even Lakers fans, I felt like we were overcompensating by giving the Nuggets more respect than probably they deserve. Because look, they're they're like so young. They've never been here before. They had to come back from down 1-3 in two different series. And the way that they came back were not necessarily dominant. You know, they had to fight in the fourth quarters outside of that game seven, right? Where they just took the heart and spirit of the Clippers. Every other game was like down to the wire, right? With the yeah. last three minutes where Jamal Murray just got hot or something and they were able to eke it out. And then on top of that, the Nuggets actually have the worst point differential total in the entire playoffs of minus 21 coming into this series. And they are the one team in the playoffs right now out of the four teams who have a negative point differential out of all their games with minus two. So if you just look at if you just look at those stats, it's like, you know, give them credit. They made it this far. They deserve to be here. But as as a whole, I don't know if they're really a typical Western Conference Finals team that you'd expect in any other year. Maybe the bubble helped them get to this point too. So I was, for me, I was just like, yeah, it's not that complicated, guys. We're we're bigger, faster, stronger. We have the most experience. We have the best athletes. And you got a pissed off LeBron James who didn't get the MVP award. And he only got 16 votes out of 101 votes, okay? Anthony Davis didn't get Defensive Player of the Year. They don't have those two guys. Their two guys are, are good. They're up and coming but they're young. So for me, I was like, that's kind of what it boils down to. I don't know if you felt any of that or did you have any worry or concern in that respect, I guess, tactically coming into it where you're like, oh yeah, maybe the Nuggets do have something against us matchup wise because the Lakers, they've been prepared for a guy like Jamal Murray. They haven't faced a guy like Nikola Jokic yet in these playoffs. Yeah, I I think just tactically as you're referring to, it's nothing special that we haven't seen before. It's not like it's um, like a Shaq and Kobe duo to that level. Um, so coming in, you know, I felt like matchups totally on our side. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, all that noise that the media was kind of overhyping, I think that just benefits us because, mm-hmm. you know, we... As, as much as you hear players say, you know, we try to block all that out, they, of course, hear it, and it kind of fuels the fire. Um, so, you know, unlike the Clippers, where everyone was saying, uh, oh, this is going to be a sweet kind of thing, at least we had some kind of fuel, I guess. You know, people, yeah. the naysayers coming out and saying, oh, you know what, the Nuggets are special. This is going to be a series. And, <laughs> and of course, that that, you know, becomes bulletin board material right um but yeah everything is kind of working out in terms of what the media perceives us to be 
and of course what the, you know the Nuggets are 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 doing. Um, so I don't think we're going to come out complacent. And you know if if the talent prevails and obviously we'll win tactically, I think we're fine. It's just a simple pick and row duel that I don't really see anything that special. I th- I think the key factor maybe for the Nuggets would be Michael Porter because we I think we struggle with kind of those lankier wings mm-hmm. like Tatum um, right. and we haven't faced one of those yet in these playoffs actually yeah. it, w- it, sh- it should have been the Clippers with Paul George been. and Kawhi yeah. you're right um, so yeah uh, no I totally agree with you and Michael Porter wasn't able to really get going in the last game with his outside shot and the, the Lakers really took the Nuggets out of what they wanted to do with their defense in terms of not even letting Jokic and Murray sync up together to get that pick and roll game going they were fighting over screens a lot and bodying those two up obviously them getting Jokic in foul trouble helped tremendously and that's probably not going to be the case in game two um but look uh before we move on with our show please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please also rate interview us five stars on itunes we have reach the heralded 420 mark which you know is the latest number andy 420 um so thank you guys for helping us get to that point now we want 500 five-star rating interviews so please help us do that uh also if you'd like to help us out in any small way financially you can go to patreon.com slash the lakers legacy podcast all right with that said in this game the lakers recorded 33 assists which is their most assist in a game this postseason They shot 19 of 24 on uncontested shots off passes, which means they pretty much got a whole bunch of lobs and dunks, which is pretty evident from the highlights that we're seeing, um, including seven out of eight on uncontested shots off passes from LeBron James, who had 12. So incredible passing display by the Lakers and in particular LeBron and playoff Rondo. Andy, what was one particular play that stood out to you, whether it was just got you off, got out of your seat or that you were particularly excited about from this game that you can recall? I'm going to say, I think it was the very first possession or the first Nikola Jokic shot. Uh-huh. And that was like a two-footer and JaVale McGee blocked that. And I was thinking, <laughs> all right, you know, the two bigs are going to have a role as we assumed. Um, and Jokic is going to face a completely different uh, back line as opposed to what he faced last round. We got the two shot blockers with JaVale and Dwight, and I think they're going to give him fits the entire series. Yeah, what's crazy is JaVale only played like five minutes more after that the entire game. The fact that the Lakers can rotate this group of bigs and just continue to throw different looks at Jokic, and all of which are faster, stronger longer than he is I feel tired for him and you could tell he was tired and usually when when Jokic gets fatigued that's when he's more liable to start fouling you know that's why he got into foul trouble and we're gonna get into Dwight Howard but man that guy is well rested and refreshed and he came out like Colossus out there Colossal whatever that X-Men is who like turns into full steel uh but he looked like Orlando Dwight circa you know 2009 he looked athletic he was boxing the help he always had three nuggets on his back it seemed like every single time so Dwight Howard just brought the energy um I think for me I would probably there were a lot of lobs and alley-oops to point to tonight especially that one where 
the TNT had the weird angle where it was you couldn't see it correctly, but you saw it from like the ba- the floor level of mm-hmm. Anthony Davis's one-handed alley oop uh, from Rondo, yeah. which is pretty cool to see it from that level because you never see it from that vantage point. Um, but one play that I I really liked was Rondo's bounce pass to Anthony mm. Davis, where he mm-hmm. bounced it from the baseline three-pointer against two other Nuggets. He was able to slip it in there, and then Anthony Davis just had like a really easy dunk. And I felt like he had a couple bounce passes too like that. Um, he had another one uh, in the first quarter to KCP where it was like a pocket pass. But the way that Rondo bounce passes is very, I don't know, quirky uh, and eccentric, I guess. You wouldn't think that it would be, it's not like a normal pocket pass, right? He just does like an extra flip with his wrist that is very deceptive. So Rondo, masterful performance, nine assists, zero turnovers. Just crazy. Playoff Rondo. Pl- let's let's land there. Um Actually, you know what? We'll take it to break, and when we return, let's do this in order. Let's talk about Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and then go down the role players. So we'll take it to break, and when we return, we'll get more into this game. All right, so we are back. Anthony Davis had an amazing game, a monster game. He absolutely ate the Nuggets up, absolutely gave Jokic fits, and I anticipated this would happen because Anthony Davis is a 6'11 guy who likes to handle and dribble the ball outside of the paint and then drive it in and then on top of that if he doesn't have the ball he's going to catch a bunch of lobs and you know put back a lot of missed shots which is what happened he had 37 points last night 10 rebounds four assists 12 of 21 from the field 12 of 15 from the free throw line he had 30 and 10 in the third quarter you know the fourth quarter was garbage time but anthony davis is having a pretty historic playoff run right now he's averaging 28 points But in his playoff career as a whole, he's played 24 games and is averaging 29 points. Do you know where that stands historically in terms of playoff point averages? I'm guessing it's top 10. (laughs) It is is better than top 10. It is actually number three all time in playoff points per game. Who do you think number two and number one are? Uh, how, How far back are these people? Our generation? Our generation, but the early, early part of our basketball fandom, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Is is Kobe on there? He is not. (laughs) (laughs) Is Shaq on there? He is not. (laughs) I have no idea. Okay, so Kobe is actually 12, averaging 25.64 points. And a lot of that is due to the fact that he played games as a rookie. You know, in mm-hmm. the playoffs, that has driven his overall uh, points per game down. But Anthony Davis is number three with 29.58 points a game. Number two is Allen Iverson oh, with wow. 29.73 points per game. And number one is, of course, Michael Jordan with 33.4 points per game. Obviously, Anthony Davis way smaller sample size is only his third stint in the playoffs. But through 24 games, he's averaging 29 points and is right ahead of Jerry West and Kevin Durant for number three all-time in points per game. Pretty insane to think about. This guy's only 26 points. Talk to me about what you saw from Anthony Davis last night where he just imposed his will, his speed, his agility, his length. The Nuggets could not contain. And unfortunately for Jokic, the Nuggets' best player, while he is immensely gifted offensively, on the defensive end, the dude is slow and plodding, and I don't know how you can stop Anthony Davis with a guy like that. Yeah, I I think it was 
typical, no, I don't want to say typical, but uh, what we were hoping and expecting from AD. Um, I remember just, you know, following the game and then all of a sudden I look up and he's got 30 points and I'm thinking, wait, what? How did that even happen? And I think, you know, most of it's just easy buckets, cleanups, and, you know, just working hard down low. And it's something that we didn't see all season. You know, at times he was settling, but um, yesterday, you know, it seemed like he was taking advantage of his skill set where he needed to, and that was very encouraging. Yeah, and I think one thing that has sort of prevailed throughout these playoffs is his mid-range jump shot is just working. You know, we call it settling when it's not going in, but it's just been going in, you know, in the playoffs. And so that trend has continued, but against the Nuggets, he can actually use his foot speed against their slower defenders. And then their defenders are just not athletic, which is why you saw so many aerial attacks from above where all Anthony Davis has to do is jump and dunk it in. And Rondo's finding him for all these easy lobs. And so... Yeah, Anthony Davis was just absolutely dominant, you know, dribbling or taking guys off the dribble, uh, getting into the paint, find, getting into his spots really easily down low. So, yeah, continued dominance in these playoffs, and he's has the right matchup in front of him. LeBron James only had 15 points last night, but he did have 12 assists, 6 rebounds, set the stage for everybody. He only played 31, 31 minutes. Anthony Davis only had 33 minutes. In total, in the playoffs, they're only both averaging 33 minutes, which is actually pretty low. Uh, the last time LeBron James was in the playoffs with the Cavs, he averaged 41 minutes. So one thing that I take with me that's positive is the Lakers are dominating teams, and it seems like they're doing it pretty easily. Not pretty easily, but it seems like there's another gear that LeBron James and Anthony Davis can go to that they're sort of just... Uh, what's it called going through the motions they're kind of hitting simulate a little bit and you're getting the stats come up and you're like oh yeah that's what they would have done but it's not like I don't want to say they're coasting through things but it seems like they're pacing themselves very well and Vogel's doing a really good job of managing their minutes uh in context to what's going on in the game so yeah what are your thoughts on LeBron James 15 points 12 assists and what he did to pick apart the Nuggets uh defense last night through his passing I think it just means that we got the series in the bag. <laughs> I mean, <if> LeBron, <laughs> All right. LeBron's only scoring 15. You know, there's a lot that he could do elsewhere. And, you know, if, he, if he's getting the, the time to rest, we had that little scare with the ankle. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, we should probably ease off a bit. But, you know, I think he's able to manage his time and his body well enough throughout the game to make sure that he's, you know, he's healthy enough for the rest of the series. And just seeing his stat line, it's, it's very unimpressive compared to what he's been doing over the past couple series. And so, you know, if if a lot of people are saying, well, LeBron and, and AD need to play the way that they always do for us to win. And then just having AD dominant and, and LeBron statistically pedestrian, that just means, you know, we can do much more. And yet we still had a blowout win yesterday. Yeah, it's crazy that it's it's one of those game ones for LeBron James where he is doing his thing where he's figure trying to figure out the opponent. And in, in the post game, he's like, yeah, it took us one quarter to figure them out. And then after that, it was off to the races from there, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is so insane to think about this guy playing chess right now. Right. And I mean, his six field goals, the way to attack the Denver Nuggets is to use your speed and athleticism against them. And 
unlike the Clippers, um, who typically, you know, with their best players, Kawhi and Paul George, they're more jump shooting perimeter oriented sort of players. So they the the Nuggets didn't have to absorb this onslaught of drives from big dudes like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and then they're now they're trying to box out against Dwight Howard. Like all these guys who are perennial athletes coming into the NBA who are lotto picks because of that athleticism. And I have to think it's just a shock to their system. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are athletes as well, but they kind of allow, they kind of take the foot off the gas pedal because they are such good perimeter shooters. So I feel like Denver was able to sort of scheme defensively a little bit better than that. But when we're coming at you in waves and we're pushing it in transition the way that we have, and there were a couple of times where Denver would score and then we just zip, we just score immediately the other end as well. It didn't even take a turnover or a stop to get that going because we're just that much faster. I just feel like it's hitting them over the head. Um, and I don't think they were prepared for that. I think they will make adjustments and they'll make sure to get back quicker the next game and box out all that stuff. But sometimes it's as simple as these guys have athletes and you guys may be as smart as you are and, and very skilled, but you you can only go so far if... The other team's taller, bigger, faster, stronger, and more experienced, right? And that's what's happening. And that's what's happening with LeBron James. I mean, after that ankle scare, which at first I thought, is he grabbing his Achilles? What's going on? I don't know if you thought it was like a knee injury or what, but that was, uh, yeah, that made my heart skip a beat for a hot second. And then I think yeah. like the next player, so he had a crazy two-handed dunk or something. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, he's, he's good. Um but yeah, the fact that LeBron James only had six field goals and you know that he can continue to relentlessly drive it into the paint. And if he wants to do that thing where he like backs down, backs down almost five seconds, but just like muscles his way to a layup, that can still happen if in if need be. He didn't hit a three-pointer, which he's had that going on this playoffs, actually. He's shooting like 42% from three or whatever. So the fact that LeBron James could kind of take a, a step back and just allow his teammates to do the work, allow Anthony Davis to do the work was really impressive. And um, defensively, LeBron James has brought it all playoffs as well, you know. So I feel like the Lakers are clicking at just the right time. Everybody's peaking at just the right time. And that includes the role players, right? So I guess we can transition to uh, the role players and who you think is the biggest X factor. I think there are a couple guys who are X factors here and we can rank them as such, but um, shout out to KCP, 18 points, uh, three of five from three, six of 10 from the field. Um, he did it from the outside, but I feel like there were more guys who were instrumental in terms of impact. Um, so for you, who do you, who's your like X factor from the role-playing guys, not named Anthony Davis and LeBron James from this game? Well, we talked about it earlier. I think the, the big men are the X factors. I think Dwight, you know, what he showed yesterday, that's going to be key if he can maintain that ferocity throughout the series and just get kind of under Jokic's skin that will be you know all the more impactful throughout the series just because uh, you know they've already played 14 games and the more physical Dwight is I think it's just gonna be exponentially more tiring for for Jokic what are your thoughts on Markeith Morris because this guy since uh, Frank Vogel inserted him into the starting lineup. And obviously, JaVale started this game. But, you know, all all bubble season and the few games that he played before quarantine, he couldn't really hit a three-pointer. And then all of a sudden, he's like our best outside shooter. He had another three for four from the field. And I remember when they started him that first game against the Rockets, you know, he 
shot the lights out was four of four from three. And Rockets fans and Lakers fans are like, well, you know, Marquise Morris is not going to shoot four threes again. Guess what? He shot it. <laughs> he's hit like three threes, like three other games on top of that. And is shooting, I think, 12 of 21 from three his last five games. So what are your thoughts on what Markeith Morris has brought to the team as like this versatile small ball five, you know, four stretch four, just bringing the physicality and that, you know, toughness and grit, but also just spacing the floor for us and allowing us to put 80 at the five. I think, yeah, I think he's huge. He was key last series, you know, without him, I think we would have struggled a little more, not to say we would have lost, but it would have been a little more challenging in terms of the matchups. Um, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I think he'll be even more so key next series, uh, in the championship because we need that outside shooting. You know, like you said, it's, it's, um, it's hard to get consistent shooting throughout all the playoffs and for guys to be streaky, you know, that's normal. Um, so if he can keep hitting those threes on a, on a regular basis, that's going to be huge. Yeah, and I think the other thing Markeith Morris brings is the next series will bring with it a couple of wings that we haven't faced yet in this playoffs, like wings with size, you know, like a Jimmy Butler, um, a Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala. If it's the Celtics, which doesn't look good right now, it would be Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. And not to say that Markeith Morris can, you know, guard those guys, but he does have like a a wing body set, you know, he just plays bigger than his six, eight frame. Uh, but yeah, just Markeith Morris's verse versatility has been invaluable to the Lakers and his outside shooting has obviously been tremendous. I, to me, that's just icing on the cake. So if he can keep hitting this, that's great, but he just allows us to put Anthony Davis in his best position at the five where we're on defense, switching everywhere on the perimeter. We're Faster foot speed everywhere, both on defense and offense. The floor is much more space for LeBron James to drive, for Anthony Davis to drive, or for lobs to happen, for cutters to cut on the baseline. So Markeith Morris has been tremendous. And the fact that, and then obviously for Dwight Howard, 16 minutes, but 13 points in 16 minutes? I mean, (laughs) four of five from the field had that crazy alley-oop dunk from Rajon Rondo. Two steals, two blocks. It seemed like he was everywhere last night. If he wasn't getting the rebound, he was tipping the ball. He was causing the Nuggets just absolute problems in terms of just trying to box out and keep him off the boards. So Dwight Howard, you know, felt like he was on some roids or something. He injected himself (laughs) with something during the time off because he looked rejuvenated, refreshed, and he looked like young Orlando 2009 Dwight. So awesome for him. Um, Last guy I really want to talk about is uh, obviously playoff Rondo. He only played 22 minutes, but seven points, nine assists, two steals, zero Zero turnovers, you know, they're doing that goggle thing, but also he had zero turnovers. He was a passing maestro out there. And, you know, what we've seen from his time with Anthony Davis, that is still very apparent and very real. Their chemistry together is impeccable. LeBron James throws lobs to Anthony Davis here and there, but it's crazy to, to see the difference when Rondo's back because we know what, ha- what, what it looks like when Rondo's not on the team. But you just put Rondo back in, and that's like plus three extra lobs for Anthony Davis. And it says, how, how is it that he's the only one who can do this? Or like, has this connection, you know? And he's like six foot two. Um, but yeah, is playoff Rondo real? What are your thoughts on playoff Rondo? And has he even exceeded your expectations of what the best case version of Rondo would look like for us? He's, ex- he's exceeded my expectation. You know, I was thinking back in 08, 09, 
you know, playing against Boston, he was dominant in, in what he was doing back then. And that was a decade ago, more than a decade ago. And I'm thinking there's no way he could sustain that level of, you know, play. And obviously he's, he's a lot older, but he's still being very impactful. And as you said, there, there are only things like he can do that the other point guards on our team can't do, maybe other than LeBron. But seeing that he had that floor vision and that feel, the touch for those passes, uh, you mentioned it earlier, he's, he's just kind of crafty with the types of passes that he makes. And it gets to the spots where you don't normally think there would be a passing angle or he maybe wouldn't try to make a pass yeah even even his shot over the backboard you know that was crafty in itself and (laughs) that was insane yeah he just leaves his footprint or his imprint on the game that i think discourages the opponent because you're thinking well you know lebron we gotta get the ball out of his hands and then all of a sudden you get you give it to rondo and we have to have that same kind of level of focus trying to make sure you know everyone is is on their toes so having him out there is is huge and and playing the level the way he's playing it it makes all the difference in the world yeah he almost exudes this spirit of you know i'm sure when you're on the court you know you see his bad play throughout the regular season the bad shots the turnovers etc and then once you see playoff rondo click i'm sure as the opponent you just remember the rondo that dominated in the playoffs that you've seen before and you're seeing it right before your eyes. And I feel like that spirit and aura sort of just takes over the other team. And I mean, it's a tangible feeling too, because he's putting up some ridiculous stats, but there's also like an intangible aspect here where at this point, would you agree Rondo is our third guy in terms of influence and impact in shaping the game? Oh yeah. I mean, he's, he handles the ball. I think yesterday he probably touched it more than LeBron um, yeah. and so you know when you have the ball for so long obviously you're going to make an impact and the way that he's been able to be very efficient with his handle uh, or his um, ball handling I think that's like I said it's discouraging for the opponent and I think for him to be that number three guy for us it's kind of jarring to think <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take it you know I think Kuz is is He's getting less pressure off him, and, and that'll benefit him more. So you know, on down on the line in the series, but I think he's risen to all of our expectations, um, and I'm super happy that we kept him this year. <laughs> yeah, like all that veteran leadership stuff and all the the legend, the myth is bubbling to the surface, and. Obviously, we're going to need him against the Heat because he's going to annoy the hell out of Goran Dragic, right? I mean, that's the other aspect about Rondo. He knows how to get into the other guard's head and just annoy the hell out of them. I mean, he had that... There was one play where he had a lob, alley-oop dunk to somebody, and then the next play, he stripped the guy off the ball. Lakers ran all the way down to transition, bounce pass for another dunk. Like, when he's out there, he gets on a roll passing-wise and decision-making-wise where it's hard to stop him when he's on that assisting, playmaking point guard sort of you know, train. Uh, With other guys, it's like they can get hot from three, get hot with their jump shots. With Rondo, it's like he starts slinging that ball very freely and they're not turnovers. They're wild passes, but they don't get picked off because it's Rajon Rondo. It's playoff Rondo. The man, the myth, the legend is real. Uh, Crazy that he's a number three guy, but hey, we'll take it. And if it's, if somehow the Celtics are able to come back, what a storyline that would be against (laughs) the Boston Celtics. (laughs) Um, 
So yeah, playoff Rondo has been a very, very pleasant surprise. And yeah, the Lakers are a tough, are going to be tough to beat to close this uh, episode out. Obviously, I'd imagine that the Nuggets will make some adjustments. Um, I don't know. I'm just not worried about this team because even after the first quarter, when the Nuggets were up 38-36, were you worried at all? I wasn't worried. I mean, I think you kind of touched on it earlier. LeBron is a chess master and you know playoffs is all about making adjustments but for the great teams the great players they make adjustments immediately in in the course of the game rather than you know after the game and so for him to kind of take his time and you can kind of see it you know going going into it i feel like he has a lot of more counters to go to if yeah. they somehow adjust. And so, you know, for me, I, I'm not worried at all. Well, also, that first quarter, uh, the Nuggets scored 38 points but had to shoot 64% to do that. And they were only up by two. And I don't know if you remember that last shot before the first quarter ended. It was like a Jamal Murray step back fadeaway three on Anthony Davis. And I was like, I feel like you guys played like the <laughs> best quarter you possibly could. And you guys are only up by two. And we haven't even put the clamps down defensively yet. And then what did you see the next three quarters? Through the first five minutes of the second quarter, the Nuggets only scored one point. Yeah. That is ridiculous. The Lakers' defense has been tremendous. They have taken the Nuggets out of what they wanted to do and made sure to limit the Jamal Murray-Nikola Jokic sync up as much as possible. And on top of that, I think one of the biggest stats is the fact that they held Nikola Jokic to two assists Mm -hmm. that is crazy two assists and i think six other moments where nikola Jokic could have had an assist but on the regular this is a guy who is like one of the the best passing big men in the game in terms of a seven footer who can pass right and the fact that the lakers are limiting their cutting options their off ball motion offense and not allowing Jokic to get comfortable and sling the passes that he likes to sling I mean, that's the, that's the biggest way to stop this Denver Nuggets team and just keep them sort of like grasping for air on the offensive end, you know? So, and it really, at that point, it's just like, okay, well, Jokic is going to have to score and Murray is going to have to score on their own in order to even give the Nuggets a chance. And last night, it just wasn't enough. And the team is just not deep enough to contend with the Lakers team, who I think if you took all of our individual role players apart, you'd be like, that's nothing special. But I feel like this team is coming together at just the right time, and they all now 100% understand their roles so perfectly that because they're together, it's like everybody's value has elevated at this point. If you put these same... Our role players on the Nuggets, is like, you don't have to worry about any of those guys. (laughs) But because of what this team has gone through, and I think because of how well-coached they've been, and just the leadership of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and even a guy like Kyle Kuzma, right? Usually you'd see 11 points, and you're like, ah, Kuzma's sucking. But then Mm -hmm. you actually look at the game tape, and he's like, oh, defensively, Kuzma's amazing. He's doing what he needs to do. Even if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's running the floor in transition, getting these easy looks, and just doing what's asked of him, right? And Mm so, yeah, I guess last word to you in terms of just how that notion of man, seems like we're headed in the right direction and not just in terms of Anthony Davis and LeBron James who still have, it seems like, another gear to go to, but the most important parts after that, the role players who know what they need to do, they've done this role through these three series now where they're just like, do the little things, I don't need to worry about my touches, 
and yeah, just that buy-in from the collective. Yeah, it's, you know, seeing Dwight and JaVale get virtually no minutes last series and then for them to just be immediately ready for this series in, in terms of what their role needs to be, which is, you know, defending Jokic. Uh, it speaks volumes, you know, coming from a guy in Dwight who was the main guy, you know, five years ago to not playing any minutes last series and then coming out and being dominant this uh, game one and then probably not playing very much in the next series. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be it's going to be key for everyone to buy into what they're doing, like, as you said, and, and for them to show up at the right time when they're when their number is called. Um it's it's going to be key. Yep, and the Lakers are firing on all cylinders. Obviously, expect the Denver Nuggets to punch back and for Nikola Jokic not to be in as much foul trouble. Expect for some calls, more calls to go their way. Obviously, this is how this goes. I'm sure the Lakers will be prepared and ready to, to match that and to counterattack. Um, but so far, I mean, how long do you think this series is going to go? You may lo- end up looking stupid, but put, put yourself out there, my friend. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say five. I mean, that's the conservative answer. I wanna say sweep. I wanna get my broom, but I'm gonna be a little more conservative. I, I'm really hoping that Denver comes out with a zone and gives us some different looks because I know Miami's gonna zone us up and for us to get some kind of experience now would be good. <laughs> oh, that is a good point. Because, um, you know, our shooters need the practice and just, you know, the the feel of it. And maybe that'll give them one game if they, if they sure. deploy that. Wow, that's how lowly we think of the Nuggets. You're like, you know, I hope they throw out <laughs> zones so we can practice with them <laughs> yes. against... <laughs> Uh, You know, but again, we respect the Nuggets. They have done amazing things in these playoffs. But look, when you're overmatched, you're overmatched, and it's not a bad thing. And like we said, the one thing that can bite the Lakers is, and one thing I'm worried about is winning this early, which we haven't done the last few games or few series. Winning this early and dominant, there's a lot of, I mean, the Lakers are more liable to be like, we got this team. Yeah. Uh, We don't even have a game one loss to like motivate us anymore. So and and it just extends the the period of time with which you have to be engaged. I feel like, so that's the one thing that can bite us mentally. But if the Lakers are locked in, and because this is the Western Conference Finals, and they have that we're so close, we can almost taste it sort of mentality. Um, then this should be an easy series. I feel like, and you know, no, that's not a knock on the Denver Nuggets. I want to make that clear, but. <laughs> They're just outmatched. And so I'm going to go with it. If there was ever a series that the Lakers were going to sweep or do a Lakers in four sort of deal, it's going to be this one. So, Andy, book it. Lakers in four. I almost feel like this is our, um, you know, in the 2002 NBA uh, playoffs, that year where we faced the Sacramento Kings in the Western Conference Finals that went seven. And then we faced the Nets in the finals and swept them. I think this is a reverse of that. And we're getting the Nets in the Western <laughs> Conference Finals. And then we're going to face our toughest test yet in the finals, whether that's the Heat or the uh, Boston Celtics. I think that's and I guess that's how things should be, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Clippers fumbled the bag and didn't give us, you know, the battle royale that we were expecting. But if we're able to do our job and get out of the Western Conference Finals, I think we're going to get that battle royale in the finals. Um, so with that said, it's almost like the Lakers can kind of, I don't want to say 
coast and take it easy, but it's a nice, like, you know, primer where they can get themselves set up. <laughs> but again, they have to be locked in. So I just want to say that. I don't want to, like, overlook this opponent, obviously, but they are overmatched. And if LeBron James locks it in, takes it to the other gear, we should take care of this team um, pretty solidly. So, Andy, thank you for hopping on. Any last words? What does McDonald's have going out right now in terms of any special promotions or any special items on the menu? Oh, so many things. Uh, I'm sure your viewers, your listeners have heard of Travis Scott and his promotion. Um, but it, in a couple weeks, we're going to roll out with a new celebrity meal um, beginning October 10th or October 4th. Is so, it Nikola yeah, Jokic for Nuggets? No? <laughs> uh, all right, we will look out for that. Thank you for hopping on once again. And hopefully in a few weeks, we can uh, we will wrap up what we started last September previewing this season with a freaking number 17 championship trophy. Let's go. All right, thanks, Andy, for hopping on. I'll catch you later. Thank you. Peace. those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.